Hi, I'm Lee Gerstman, and I'm no longer banned from this podcast. I use my hand on Ralph and my mouth on Ian, and that's why I'm back. So deal with it, bitches. Here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. I still think they're fucking assholes. Smack them a gob. It's me, Dr. Fuck. And with me is... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I told Alcoholic and Wadley. And this is... I'm doing great, bro. This is the first Rock and Metal Combat Podcast official where it's just me and you. Yeah. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. Terrence and Jacobs. All right. <laughs> so, so Ian, we got any of those uh, those iTunes reviews? Oh, do we? You know, I, I don't know why I never check my iTunes reviews for my podcast. I suck. Ian's more on the ball. I'm a slacker. Well, we have a plethora of them. We have some brand new ones. And then we have some ones while we were on our hiatus, but still pertain to our uh you know our era of the show and uh we got we got some great ones here this first one is from jeff wildman beers i like that yeah i like that because he he sounds like a crazy drunk (laughs) he left us a five-star review entitled it's totally radical hell yeah that proved my point right there (laughs) he says and i quote Dude, this podcast is totally rad. They talk about some rocking stuff, and it's rad. Totally my favorite podcast to crack open a 12-pack to and jam out, or to jam out to at work. This podcast is definitely a Babe Magnet podcast. Yeah. Right on, dude. Fuck <laughs> yeah, man. I love him, man. I love that alcoholic. That ruled. Fuck yeah. That, What's his name again? Jeff Wildman Beers. Jeff Wildman Beers, right there. Already, in 10 seconds, he has become a legend, a lure in the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I love, because that sounds like somebody who would enjoy the album we're going to talk about later in this episode. You know, he sounds like he's in that frame of mind. Oh, shit. When he finds out we're doing fair warning, he's going to be like, shit, I'm buying a fucking 24. I'm buying a case. I'm buying a keg for, I'm buying a keg for this one. (laughs) He's He's gonna he's gonna go old school, get a Coors Light party ball, <laughs> and take it to work. <laughs> That's a but wild that, man. He'll do it because he's wild. He's wild man. But then we go to one, and I tell you what, I almost kind of I love these as, almost as much as the great ones. This is a one star review from oh. Ant- yeah from Antron thirty three. Andrew and it's, it's it's entitled "Mostly Garbage, Production Quality as Bad as Talent." Then he goes on to say, and I quote: "I was very excited prior to listening because they had shows on a lot of bands I used to listen to." Poser, poser. Hey, that one star review is a pride. What a poser! So we're getting we're getting slammed by a poser that used to like these bands. He's yeah, now, now, 
Now he likes Mumford and Sons. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know who that is, but that's funny, man. Mumford and Sons. It sounds like a, like a crack a crack version of Sanford and Sons. <laughs> yeah, but but it's wider. Much wider. Oh, it, wait it, a second. Mumford and Sons are white? And they're English. They're about as white as the cop on Sanford and Son. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the guy that was trying to be ghetto. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> Well, he goes on to say, I listened to about 10 episodes before writing this review. Not much positive to say about it. Though very knowledgeable about most of the subject matter they are speaking about, conversations inevitably devolve into stupid homophobic comments. What a fag. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The best comparison that comes to mind is any sort of local radio morning guys that in quotes, push the limits. It's just so contrived and stupid. Easily the worst music-related podcast I have listened to. You know, you know those those, those uh, DJs that push the limit? Uh, he wished those DJs would push their their cack up, up his gay butt. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, he's gay. <laughs> uh, By the way, you- fuck by the way, fuck your feelings. What's his name again? Homo Boy 26? Antron 33. <laughs> Antron. Yeah, yeah. Just so happens, 33 is the same number of guys your mom took on Maury to find your father. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, nothing worked out. But it, he's a disgrace to the homosexuals. They're all smart. What's up with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> guys who suck dick that taste like shit have better taste than you. Antoine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, but come on. You're going to tell me he's never tasted shit on a dick? Oh. <laughs> All right, well, back to some good reviews. This next one's from J.D. Sauceville. A five-star review entitled, They're Back. Hell yeah. He simply says, RMCP 2021 Rebirth. But it's a five-star review. It's quick. It's to the point. Yes, we are back. And it is a positive iTunes review, and I appreciate it. Hell yeah. That was an awesome review. I loved it. All right. Well, our next one is another five-star review. This one coming from Trash Burner. And it's entitled, Love the Show. Yeah. And he says, and I quote, Show rules. Glad to hear you guys are back. Do more Beatles, please, and some Wings reviews would be great. Oh, and, that'd uh, be awesome. I love the Wings. Oh, yeah. Uh, th- those are two bands we would both love to talk about, and uh, yeah, I could definitely see some future reviews on those. Yeah. Spe- especially as we get back into talking about albums we want to review. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and and we love taking those detours and talking about shit that you know isn't the norm on here, but still... You know, bands we're very passionate about one way or another. So thank you, Trash Burner. Great review. Yeah. Trash Burner. He burns people in the trash that used to like this music. <laughs> okay, now this last one. <clears throat> Five-star review. Great way to end it. Uh, this, I, I never heard of this, guys. Uh, Wadzilla74. <laughs> this one is entitled... <laughs> The Podcast Kings. And he says very eloquently, 
and I quote, This is simply the best podcast ever. Makes me wish I was like Andrew and Terrence and could sit at home all day listening because I collect disability. It's not fair that I have to work for a living and not get paid just to be crazy and lazy. My favorite part of the show is when Ralph and Wadzilla, notice how he put Ralph first? This this guy knows the show. Oh, yeah. My favorite part of the show is when Ralph and Wadzilla drag Piggy Jacobs out of her pen and let the fan of the week drop a Kansas City hot plate on her chest. Everybody (laughs) wins on the mighty RMCP. Yeah, that guy rules, man. Man, he idolizes you, dude. Look at his brain. (laughs) Man, that was awesome. There was two other reviews from Andrew Jacobs. Andrew Jacobs has written no less than 26 um, reviews for this podcast. And what what happened, if if you leave one, if you've got one iTunes account, all you can do is rewrite a review. Uh, You know, you can't keep adding them. So he just keeps changing it with what he thinks is, you know, funny or witty. And they all fail miserably, but uh, he took his last one down again. And I, I want to rip on this guy so much more, but here's the downside of what we do. And you know this, Ralph. Sometimes we get accused of uh, what's called in this pussy day and age, cyberbullying. And I have we? I, I don't even. Yeah. I haven't even seen that. Yeah, yeah, we've got accused of that. I with, mean, with... Well, Andrew and Terrence are the ones that come at us. Cyberbullying is when you just bully on somebody that did nothing to you, or somebody that you know, uh, you know, that doesn't deserve it. Is cyberbullying? These guys aren't being cyberbullied. They're, they're, we're just retaliating. And you know what? Ian, I was just thinking this as as you were about to talk about Andrew Jacobs' review. You know he loves when we talk about him. He loves it. He gets attention. Attention he never gets anywhere. But at the same time, it's like, I don't care if he enjoys it or not. I enjoy it even more bringing up this dude and his stupid hypocrisy. And I can't wait to hear what this idiot wrote. I'm sorry. I have to bring this up. I don't know if you saw it. Somebody put up on Facebook a video of Andrew Jacobs at a gas station talking about the hardcore scene. Something like that. Have you seen that? No, you told me about a little bit about it, but I haven't seen it. Monotone. <laughs> the guy has like zero personality, and you know, I mean, no, I know the whole wife is a joke thing, but come on, the guy ain't married. But we'll continue with the wife shit. Why the fuck not? Well, no, actually, actually well, I don't know if he's still married. No, he's not married no more. He, uh, he's not. He's not. He is. Well, if he is, then he's ashamed of that pig wife because his Facebook says he's not in a relationship. Oh, she dumped him again. She well, she got tired of supporting him. I don't know if a lot of people know this, you know. And and this is sad. Well, normally it's sad, but you know, I hate those like anti-smoking commercials. You know, where the, where they got the voice box and everything. You know, and they show you that to get you to not smoke. Right. His his wife or ex-wife, whatever you want to call. It, you know, she had one of those added. Not because she smoked, but she just needed another hole to stick cock in to support <laughs> to support the two of them. You know, because he doesn't work. He claims that he's too... Both him and Terrence do not work. All right? They collect, you know, disability, unemployment. And, and, you know, especially like, like somebody like Terrence, who this guy can do all this shit, you know, all these YouTubers. I, I don't even know how to fucking 
upload a fucking video to YouTube, but this asshole does. But yet, <laughs> he can't work a fucking job. Yeah. Okay, the same with Andrew Tar- uh, with uh, Andrew Jacobs. Uh, oh, I, 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 I can't work a job. You know, all these people upset about the, you know, these Mexican kids crossing the border and getting to see a fucking doctor. You're pissed about paying for that? What about paying for these motherfuckers to sit at home all day? Terrence doesn't have to do anything but fucking use your tax dollars to buy Super Tramp remasters and, and, and horrible reviews. You know, but he can do all that, but you tell me he can't work even the most, uh, you know, menial task job. You know, it's it's bullshit. And these guys are sponges on society. Worse than anything else you get upset that you see on the TV is cocksuckers like this. But yeah, I got... Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. But I, I got worried this week because we also live in a day and age of cancel culture and, you know, you can get in trouble for what you say. You can get sued. And apparently we broke Andrew Jacobs yet again. Uh... I got a call from, well, she said she was his wife. It's hard to understand with that fucking voice box. But uh, (laughs) anyway, I guess he attempted suicide. I don't want it to get blamed on us, but apparently uh, this dude, Ahmad Asimama Baba, who works the check cashing place where Andrew goes every week to cash his disability check, he called the cops because Andrew hadn't been in there. And, uh, you know, (laughs) Nobody could get a hold of his wife because she was off, uh, you know, shooting a video, uh, you know, <laughs> gang bang my fucking voice box seven. Um, so police showed up. <laughs> police showed up uh, at his door, knocked down the door, found him unresponsive. But it turns out he just passed out watching a Terrence video. It put him right to fucking sleep. Uh, <laughs> but- you gotta be pretty goddamn stupid if you can't upload a video on you. He's dumber than Terrence. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I gotta admit, I'm a little. I, I I have to admit, I'm a little um, jealous of Andrew because I would love to marry a girl like that. That would open <laughs> an extra hole for another cat. Yeah, you all think I'm crazy, but fuck you, fuck your jealousy. I want my wife fucking have more pricks on her than a porcupine and more right. balls on her nose like a fucking circus seal. That's my dream wife. Yeah, and to have a woman that's willing to do that because you won't go go out and get a fucking job. You oh, know? Shit, I'll work for that, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you wonder why we need a, a legal labor. It's because motherfuckers like Terrence and fucking Andrew won't go out and get a fucking job. You know, the... <laughs> The, the Mexicans do the jobs that, that Americans won't, you know, like fuck Andrew's wife. <laughs> you know, it's hard to find an American that'll do that. Uh, you know, one day I'm going to meet Andrew's wife, right? We're going to go to church and get married, and then the preacher's going to look at her and say, do you promise to dig Dr. Fuck and all his friends? And then and, and then when they ask me, uh, when I say I do, the whole, the whole fucking church says, I do, yeah, because they're all going to bang her too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll all my dream we'll all domo arigato Mrs. Roboto. Yeah, it feels good. <laughs> I do. Dirty fucking who was? <laughs> I mean, seriously, who who would fuck that guy even for a little bit? You know, no wonder she eats fish. 
That, that to me is what makes her even hotter. That she would fuck a fucking, a fucking, a fucking droid like that. I'm like, she'll fuck anything. Well, and that's the thing. He's a notorious, you know, uh, masochist and woman hater. Yeah. He should, he should worship that. That there's any woman that would fuck him, he should thank all women for having that low self-esteem. Yeah, you know? man. Woman hating, turtle yeah. looking douchebag that did not appreciate his wife sucking 12 cocks at the same time? You prude. <laughs> you mean my freckles? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, my, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck is that on his face? Seriously. Not fucking freckles. It's just not, <laughs> man. That's some weird skin disease, bro. He licks doorknobs. <laughs> fucking, fucking liver spots. Because your old lady shoots up. <laughs> wow, that's even hotter. Man, you're turning me on with this fucking Alexander Jacob White talk. Sounds like, <laughs> sounds like my fucking soulmate right there, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck. But uh, I, I know we're at the end of the iTunes reviews, but you said uh, somebody sent you something pretty awesome. Yeah. Huh? You, you yeah, want to share? Yeah, this is... Yeah, I like to share this. Let me pull up the picture. I like to share this. This is something somebody sent me on um, on Facebook. And it was a comment he left Terrence on YouTube. But, like, obviously when he left it, I even see the time on here, 42 seconds after he posted it. He, he took a screen cap because you know Terrence was going to delete this. Right. And the guy's name on YouTube is Dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, I know this guy. Yeah, Dickhead wrote, I'm going back to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, dot, dot, dot. Drab, drab and bland like beige wallpaper. I'd, I'd have more fun stapling my nutsack to a wall and then trying to figure out how to get myself out of the situation I put myself into watch, uh, watching that garbage. By the way, you're not a music fan. Stop calling yourself one. Shit, you got so much hate spewed out of your mouth when you're talking about music almost as, as much as when you talk about the Jews and any other colors that ain't white. I'm reading word for word what you say on your podcast from a CD booklet. Plagiarism. It's so disrespectful to say who has and doesn't have a mental illness. Mariah Carey doesn't have a mental illness. Yikes. One, uh, one to talk. Also, you're, you're not a doctor, goof. Uh, review. Don't diagnose. Dr. Fuck is more real and doctor than you. Now, that's pretty bad, because if anybody got sick, you know, they'd die. I ain't no doctor. <laughs> that was from Dickhead. I love that comment. That, that's and awesome. And I, yeah. I, I encourage every, all of our listening audience to subscribe to the T, TJR Rock Sponges page on YouTube and the Terrence Reardon and Friends uh, page on YouTube. And every time he puts out a video, put a big fucking fat dislike on there. You put those dislikes on there, and he'll lose his fucking mind. And that's what we really want to do. We want to get him off of fucking the internet and into the workforce. Oh, Stop God. this shit and go get a fucking job, you motherfucker. Exactly. And then you go back on YouTube, but have every intro of a video of you working. You know, yeah. like flipping that burger. That bur you know, we want a video of you flipping burgers and we'll leave you alone. That, you know, yeah. hey, it's, hey, it's the Terrence and quote unquote friends podcast. 
and just have many of you flipping burgers with your little McDonald's hat on. And then we'll be like, all right, we'll leave him alone now. He's fucking finally out in the workforce. But till then, dislike everything the fucker puts up. Fuck him. Right. right. And, and, and to all you people who think we're being too mean, you, you know what's mean is him using uh, his so-called disabilities as an excuse for everything because there are a lot of people out there who do suffer from different uh, you know, disabilities, be it physical or mental that work jobs, that contribute to society, that don't use this shit as a crutch, that in, in spite of what they have, make the most of themselves and are productive members of society and are just basically decent fucking people. So when he goes on there and looks for sympathy and says all this shit, that, that's just, you know, that's spitting in the face of all these other people who, who achieve all kinds of greatness in spite of everything. So fuck him. Fuck Andrew Jacobs and fuck his wife. Pick a hole, any hole. There's fucking four of them. You know? I'm down. I don't care for. if I'm 50th in line. I'm down. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag rape the trach. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that going. Yeah. I, I tell you, I, I saw a video with Darren. Somebody posted the other day. And, you know, for all the, you know, the anti-Semitic shit, you know, the... You know, the, the anti-gay, black, what, anything that ain't white shit that he puts out there. I found something even more offensive than that was uh, this drum video that he put up. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. That is the worst shit ever. I hate when he <laughs> was playing those drums. I was like, it sounds like somebody's dribbling, dribbling a basketball. <laughs> All right. Well, now it's time for the news. And... Uh, Here's something that's going to be uh, going on. Well, by the time you hear this, it'll be the uh, it'll be last week. But on Saturday, March 27th, it's the return of the ball with Ricky Rackman. Have you heard about this, Ralph? I think so. You know what? It's vaguely. I think I did see him say something about it, but it's a radio thing, right? It's not TV, right? Well, it, it's it's a radio app, and I tell you what, I downloaded it uh, to watch it because I'll I'll check it out and see what it is. It's oh, uh, it's videos. Well, it yeah yeah it, it it's a it's a station. It's an app. It's an app called Give Me Metal. Ooh, but what I you like can that. do is is with uh, you know with modern technology with modern TVs, you can cast from your phone to your TV. And you can watch it, but I believe it's going to be uh, like the same setup of him, you know, talking, introducing uh, videos. Uh, there may be some, uh, you know, guests that he interviews and stuff. But something we have not talked about yet is we're going to be at Rock and Pod 4, and joining us there will be Ricky Rathman. Who you, you made a very notorious video about. <laughs> oh, he's going to be happy to see me. It's going to roll. Roll video cameras. I might make money if he, if he socks me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think we should interview him. I think we should interview him. <laughs> I don't know, Ian. You know what? It'll be like the Michael Sweet scenario. You interview him. <laughs> you don't want me there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would look. Apparently, there's going to be uh, a lot of MTV BJs. Yeah, Mark hope... Goodman. Mark Goodman, right? Mark Goodman, uh, Matt Penfield. Yeah. 
Yeah. Those two I like. It's official. Ralph and I are going to be there. And, you know, Ralph, you're more than welcome to join in on this. But I'm going to have raffles just for our listeners that show up. Uh, and I'm going to be giving away. And, and I'm not going to make you pay anything to get in this fucking raffle. It's just, you know, if you're part of our family, we know who's part of our family and who's not. But I'm going to have raffles to give away my Blue Oyster Cult collection on CD. I'm going to give away some uh, some Kiss uh, memorabilia that I have that I don't want cluttering up my house anymore. Like a Kiss trivia game that I have and some other Kiss Oh my shit. god! Oh my god! It's, it's going to be amazing. We, we are going to do uh, a, a small version of, uh, you know, you can pay to get your episodes, but we're not trying to raise as much money as we normally did, so when we do announce it, it's going to be a first-come, first-serve. And we're still doing ones from two and three, and Ralph and I want to mix and match. Like, we want to do something we want to talk about, then we're going to do a fan episode, so... Keep that in mind, but we're going to do a limited amount this year. But man, just show up and hang out with us and yeah, party. And, with and, us. And, and I got something to throw in on your little gift of raffles there, dude. I got, I mean, this is this has been long out of print, and I think it's one of a kind. I don't think anybody's ever bought this except me. I have a huge poster of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast with a picture of me and Ian on it and the whole poster is pixelated as fuck that I got off that metalstation.com. I'm going to throw <laughs> it there and we'll sign it. My missus, Mrs. Wadzilla, is very supportive of this show and she's trying to help out in any way she can and she really wants to work out some merch for the show. So I would like you guys on the Facebook page, you know, come on, come on the official page or you can do it on the Army page. Let us know what kind of shit you would really be interested in buying. But let you us know. What know. I, you know what I would love in a fucking rock and metal combat podcast board game where, you know, you lose if you land on the square that says you are now one of the podcasts that were influenced by rock and metal combat podcasts. You lose. <laughs> the rock and, rock and metal prog central incorporated. <laughs> Yeah, the, the rock and metal prog experience and with cribs. Yeah. Or anything involving Mark Alden Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Which, say what you want about that poor bastard, but you know what? He puts on his pants one leg at a time and goes and burns fucking corn dogs all day. At least he has a fucking job. Yeah, yeah. and I fantasize. I fantasize how Mark works because you know when he's burning those corn dogs. I wish I could be doing it just like him, but when I'm burning the corn dog, I pretend it's a Sammy Hagar fan. Exactly, and what I love about him, he's on his third wife. That that look at Mark Alden Taylor. Been laid at least. He's been laid at least two times. He's found three women to fuck him. That's a hell of a lot more than Terrence and and fucking Andrew combined. Yeah. All right. It's time for the news. All right. That James Durbin, who, who sang in Quiet Riot for two minutes. Nice said, bandana. Yeah, yeah. So he's no longer inspired in Quiet Riot. We were making throwaway records. And, uh, wow, he's honest. He's honest. Well, yeah, you know, you know what? That, that makes sense because when the second record came out, 
he left before it came out. He recorded and then left. Yeah. Th- that That's bad when he quits Quiet Riot. <laughs> yeah. It's sad. Uh, you know, Quiet Riot, yeah, you know, it's not the great, it's not in my, you know, top 50 or all, but they're very important to my youth. And it's sad what they became. But, you know, I mean, it's even sadder that Kevin and Frankie are gone. You know, it's like, yeah. damn, man. I mean, and for them to do it, look, I understand it's blasphemous, this and that. But fuck, man, how else are they going to make money? You know, how's Chuck Wright ever going to fucking pay his bills? You know, they got to go out there and milk it. Fuck it. That's their only. It's too late for these people to get like, you know, a corporate job or fucking working at McDonald's. They All right. What am I going to do? Work at McDonald's or milk this shit and make five times as much. They're going to milk it. I don't think it's right, but, you know, it, it's just, I'm just, hey, Ian, I tell it like it is. I'm like a minstrel. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. What, 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 what's Chuck Wright going to put on his fucking resume? Uh, I play bass that's less audible than Nikki Six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, did you see the Quiet Riot documentary? Yeah. The guy that went up to him with the Metal House CD and he wouldn't let Chuck sign it. And Chuck is like, I didn't play on it. That fuck, that was sad as fuck, man. It was like, yeah, goddamn. Yeah, he did. He played on two tracks, I believe. Yeah, um, don't want to let you go and bang your head. Good, good luck. But you know what? At least they're working. They're not sitting at home. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, here's something that probably 60 people are going to pay for, maybe. Uh, and most of them are in one of the Dakotas. Steven Piercy is going to do a live stream uh, Friday, April 2nd, and Bobby Blotzer is going to join him. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I, guess, I, guess, I guess you do what you got to do to sell it, but Steven Piercy has come out and said now that even though he was touring with a new version of Rat, uh, he will not make new music under the rap moniker if it's not the original lineup uh yeah, do, you, yeah, do, you right. think, do you think this could lead to one last hurrah with you know the the classic four and and carlos coming back uh carlos said he said many times he'd go back to rat if warren went back right uh warren is the biggest holdout because warren is loaded you know he was born right. into a family that has to do with the Mars Candy Company. So mm-hmm. the guy, and and he even said, like, in interviews, you know, with all the lawsuits and all the bullshit, he's like, well, why am I dealing with this shit? I'm a rich boy. You know? Yeah. This this other thing, this other project I did hasn't made the same money as Mars Bars really ever, but yeah, we were doing good in the 80s, but now we're not d- doing not even half, a quarter of what Mars Bars does. And I right. got to deal with lawsuits and blocks her? Fuck this shit. I'm out of here, you know? But I think one song that, wow, this really, I listened to it. I had very low expectations, but I really dug it. Uh, ZZ Top's Billy Gibbons is putting out a new solo album. And he released a single called West Coast Junkie. Did you watch that? No, no, I have not. I I, I dug it. I, I thought know. it was I thought it was really good. I was like, God damn, sounds good. Sound, Of course it's going to sound like ZZ Top. But what what disturbed me is the never-ending kick in the face to Frank Beard, the drummer, <laughs> the great drummer 
of ZZ Top because, you know, not only did Billy Gibbons replace him, you know, with uh, computer drums in the 80s, uh, now on his solo albums, he's replacing him with Matt Sorum. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Oh! I'm like, oh, man. He's Come on. Worse, he's worse than those that than, than the person that replaced uh, Frank Beard on Eliminator, Johnny Five. Yeah. <laughs> was that his name, that fucker in that fucking movie, Johnny Five? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was yeah. the name of that movie? Tra- Trans Circuit? Short Circuit. Short, Short Circuit. circuit. <laughs> My mind is fucked. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, God damn, you go from Frank Beard uh, to a computer. Johnny Five. To to Johnny Five. To Matt Sorum. But uh, I ain't gonna lie, dude. It's it's a good song, and if you like old ZZ Top, um, I think you'll dig it. It gave me high hopes for the new album. You know why Uh, it's a good song, Ian? Because on drums, it's really Alan Schwartzberg. Yeah, my favorite member of Kiss. That most guy I really. <laughs> Soren's pulling right. up Peter Chris. So I would I would say check it out. I I, I think you I think you would dig it. Right. Uh, well, Wolfgang Van Halen has released two more tracks uh, from his upcoming debut album, Mammoth WVH. Wow, one of the worst fucking names ever. Couldn't you just call it Mammoth? Does it got to be Mammoth WVH? Um, and you know, you know, I heard the song he did, you know, about his dad, distance and stuff, and I appreciated what he was doing with it. You know, I feel bad. The guy lost his dad. You know, uh, such an icon. But the song did nothing for me. You know, but I appreciate why he wrote it. You know, I you know appreciate the sentiment of it, but but not the song itself. And hearing, uh, I didn't even hear the uh, think it over. I heard "Don't Back Down," and wow, uh, just middle of the road. I I hate saying anything bad about this kid because I feel so bad for him. He, did, I mean, he got Van Halen back together with David Lee Roth. You know, he takes so much shit about his weight. Uh, you know, there's all these all this negative shit that this poor kid gets. And he just lost his dad. But I gotta say, the music just doesn't do it for me. I, I don't hear uh, his dad at all. I don't hear anything innovative. Uh, it's very pedestrian. You know, and I know he's hung out. He He's good friends with the guy from Creed and Alter Bridge. And that's kind of what it reminds me of. That middle of the road, you know, shit that a soccer mom could listen to on the radio and not be threatened. Did you hear either of these new songs, Ralph? Yeah, I want to set this up, though. I did see Distance, and yeah, I I even said it on my YouTube. I said, look, man, I don't like this song, but I love the fact that people are loving it. Because, you know, I feel bad for Wolfgang. Then he released the other song that was really bad, but the solo was really good. I was like, well, at least the solo's good, but yeah. So these two that they put up yesterday, the one you haven't heard... Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. I was like, ugh. Then I, one you didn't like blew my mind, dude. I loved it. I was like, wow. Uh-huh. this is, I really loved it. I, and I'm saying first listen. I never heard Alter Bridge, but maybe I should start listening to that shit. I, I don't know. But I'm telling you, those other three songs I heard were fucking bad. And, yeah. and I'm, not, I'm not expecting, you know, him to sound like Van Halen. You know, but 
it was yeah very modern type of crap i don't like the radio shit those three songs and the one you didn't hear don't listen that's the worst out of all of them that yeah. was so bad so it's like yeah but yeah I, but you know am i gonna run out and buy the album because it's one song no i was just saying yeah dude now this is more like it this is what i like but you know that's how that's what i think wolfie rules right. by the way i like them big and chubby Sexy yeah no, i don't I, want him to lose weight he looks great yeah. I, I, I like him. I, I, I think he's a good kid. I mean, his music isn't my bag, and that's fine. You know, if, if there's other people that like it, I, I'm not going to hate on the kid because if it wasn't for him, I never would have saw Van Halen. So Yeah, and, uh, you know, and I, I said, just like you said on YouTube on a video, I said, um, you know, I feel good for the kid. And, yeah, I got a few people going, you know he's 30. I'm going, yeah, but Terrence and fucking Terrence are like 50. And they mooch off the government. This kid's out there doing something, and you know his parents are loaded. Exactly. He could just sit at home. Yeah. He, yeah, exactly. No, he's a mover and shaker, and he's still huge. That's a badass. <laughs> exactly. And, but, and, and he banged Andrew Jacobs' wife, too. Yeah. <laughs> In the trach. I got to tell, I only got two words for fucking Wolfgang Van Halen. Manja, manja. <laughs> well, here's another guy that, man, he has been all over Blabbermouth. And uh, this is a rare story where he's not talking shit about Tommy Scoichi or Scoich. Bobby Doll. Yeah. Uh, the, the lead guitar player from Tesla is no longer with the band, who will be at Rockin' Pop and wow. his new band. Yeah, and his new band will be playing. I heard the song. It was pretty fucking good. But Brian Wheat. Ian, Ian. We got to fucking interview this dude because you know he's going to be, be bringing some fucking awesome blow. <laughs> that guy yeah. is a big-ass drug addict. We need to hang with him. Oh, yeah. Supposedly, he's clean now, but we'll fuck that all. Oh, fuck, <laughs> man. What a poser. But, uh, you know. We inter- we interviewed uh, Troy Laquetta from Tesla at Rock and Pod too, and uh, you know I'll never forget when we got our picture taken. He made me remove my various beer cans before we took a picture because he's clean and sober, doesn't oh. want to promote alcohol. And oh, eh. I didn't notice that. I was there. Yeah, you don't remember that? Yeah, he made me move all the beer cans before we took the photo together. Wow. Yeah, I missed that one. That's wild. That's some wild stuff. <laughs> Wild and wacky stuff, um, but yeah. Uh, so, so Brian Wheat, and, and man, have you seen these pictures of him? God damn, does this guy look bad? He look, he yeah. looks like Mark Alton Taylor on fucking meth. Oh. I mean, and 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 basically, man, every interview has been, you know, fuck Tommy, fuck Tommy, fuck Tommy. But this one is says he says why he dislikes the term hair metal. And out of a lot of the bands that I could see have this argument, I would say, yes, Tesla is one of those who unfairly suffered. You know, Tesla with Love Song, I don't think if they were to release Love Song, they'd be known as a hair metal band because they were, you know, very gritty fucking rock and roll, man. It's just, you know, and then that, you know, and, and, you know, Love Song coming out at the worst time when, you know, Power Ballads was the thing. That's why they get lumped in, because that was probably on the charts with, you know, something to believe in and more than words. You know what I'm saying? 
and right. Mr. Big, whatever their hit was, I'll be with you or something like that. Yeah. So that's why they and look at you know Mr. Big. I mean, come on, on Billy Sheen in a hair metal band. Ain't that bizarre? But it's the truth. That's the '80s for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he loved David Lee Roth because he didn't like the direction of uh, of Skyscraper, and then he joins Mr. Big. Yeah. Which <laughs> which man? I was so fucking looking forward to that album. Paul, I'm a huge Racer X fan, and I'm like Paul Gilbert and Billy Sheen, and then. I saw the video for Addicted to That Rush. Now, musically, that song is what I expected. Yeah, I like that song. That That is the one Mr. Big song I like. But, but boy, that Eric Adam, he, you know, he ain't exactly, you know, a showboat on, you know. He's, he looks like some pit squeak. No offense, great voice on the guy. But image-wise, was all about the 80s. You know what I'm saying? So if they would have right. got some fucking bullet boys looking motherfucker up there, fronting that band, it would have done, you know, much better... You know, for that little time span where hair, hair metal rules. Right. Well, and Billy Sheehan is going to be at Rock and Pod 4, and I can't wait to interview his ass. That's going to be, oh my God, I can't wait to hear about some coke-fueled coke uh, David Lee Raw stories. And yeah. I even I said something to Senzak, I was like, oh man, I, I'm getting on stage with Billy Sheehan and we're going to do I'm Easy off of Eat Him and Smile. He goes, yeah, no. But I'm gonna work on him. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna work on him. Uh, I want to go. I'll, I'll talk to Chris. See if I can go up there and do the Spanish version. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, speaking, uh, this is kind of related uh, <laughs> because this is somebody who played with David Lee Roth, Jason Becker. Love uh, it. This seems really nice. As, uh, the title of the story is World's Greatest Guitar Players Come Together to Raise Money for Jason Becker. But I, I gotta say, and, and I think this is what separates us from the sheep, because everybody knows my Lord and Savior is David Lee Roth. But you never hear of Dave doing shit for Jason Becker. And that that bothers me. I, I wish but, Dave look, did I something. Don't want, I don't want to say this because I'm so, you know, it'll sound like now I'm kind of a fucking nutswinger of Dave by saying this, but no, this is actually a fact. And you know the story about Michael's, Michael Anthony's grandkids. Yes. David yes. gave thousand dollars but didn't announce it. It was Michael who announced it. It wasn't True. Dave. And you, and you know Dave didn't tell him, hey Michael, tell him I sent you this. Michael right. was the one that came out and said himself. Dave probably does and doesn't want it. There's a lot of celebrities out there that donate and don't want the attention. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, I, I guess I, I didn't think about that, you know. I, I guess I just kind of focused, like, you never heard anything, anything since Becker got sick about Dave doing something. And I've always kind of felt that, you know, and maybe maybe I'm wrong for this, I always felt Dave was kind of responsible for what happened to Jason Becker. How so? You know? Well, because by the time he joined Dave's band, uh... You know, it was obvious that in sales, Van Hagar was doing better than Dave Solo. And he gave Jason Becker a copy of OU812 and said, hey, we got to beat this. And that's when Jason got sick. Yeah, yeah. I take back what I said. I don't think Dave would donate to somebody made to listen to OU812. That's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. That's like like fucking Terrence Reardon type shit. Yeah, you, you know, Jason Becker, you know, had to listen to Cabo Wabo. 
and then all hell broke loose. You know, so it's kind of it's kind of his fault. See, know, that's but... why I am fine. I never heard that song. See that? <laughs> Walk just fine. But uh, no, very sad story, and I think it's amazing of all the artists that have that have helped him because if, if you've seen the documentary on him, what a amazing yeah. story. I mean, th- yeah. this guy writes music still, still by his moving eyes. his eyes at a fucking chart. But Terrence and fucking Andrew Jacobs can't get a fucking job. <laughs> but fucking Jason Becker can still write music with his fucking eyes. And, and you know, you know, it's wild. And it's been twenty. I mean, they they gave that guy just a couple years of life when he first was diagnosed. It's yeah. Twenty like something years later, the guy's still writing music, doing all this shit while confined to a chair. Come on, the guy's fucking awesome. He's fucking. Lemmy stature fucking badass. Oh yeah, yeah. Love, love Jason Becker. Even you know, I I, I make my jokes and everything. I think he's an inspiration, and uh, it's great to see so many people, you know, these many years after he's been out of the spotlight, still step up, you know, and, and do what they can to help this poor guy. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Somebody else. Uh... <laughs> has a bit of history of what we're going to talk about today. Sammy Hagar says he hasn't been prolific during the pandemic. <laughs> uh, but, but I digress. He's made up all kinds of shit, like Van Halen's bigger with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's been doing that during <laughs> He's been doing a lot of that lately. And, and, and that... He was just as big as Van Halen when he joined, so I I, I think he's he's been very creative with what he's come up with. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, you know. Since uh, we haven't talked, I haven't told you. I I uh, been sucking a lot of cock, and I'm on Twitter now. And two <laughs> oh. fucking times, two times, I wrote Eddie Trunk. And you know, when you write Eddie Trunk on on Twitter, it goes on his wall. And I'm not trolling the guy. I'm just saying, hey, Eddie. And I would put the article. I go, hey Eddie, talk to your friend Sammy about this. I mean, he's t- going around saying they sold more with him. He didn't reply, but several people replied, and every one of them was like, yeah, Eddie, what the fuck, you know. And then I did it again just this week because I did the, the last one about four months ago, five months ago. I did it again because it was another article. So I wrote him and said, hey Eddie, talk, you know, ask Sammy about this, you know. Both times the guy didn't reply, but boy, a a whole lot of people replied. Now, Eddie Trunk, I don't know if you're aware of this, one of our Rock and Metal Combat Podcast uh, listeners is known as Thinking Stanley. And he's driven Paul Stanley so crazy that Paul even made a fucking comment about it. Like, hey, I know who you are. Yeah, he said, I know who you are. I know your phone number, your wife. All He's threatening to dox him, right? That news got back to Eddie Trunk. And Eddie Trunk brought up Sinking Stanley and everything. You know, and oh. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes, then Eddie Trunk says, um, Paul Stanley called out this guy Sinking Stanley. He just made his life. Now, me writing Eddie Trunk something non-trollish, he's still not going to reply because that fucker doesn't reply to nobody, you know? So, and he probably does see what I say trollish because. He's got to confront Sammy, you know? 
or at least confront me and tell me if I'm wrong, you know? Because I got the proof that Van Halen sold more than Van Halen. Well, all I got to say about Eddie Trunk is, uh, you know, and I've, I've said it before on the show, uh, I used to love listening to his live show. And there's shit about him that annoys me, and there's shit that I like, but I personally had a conversation with a rock star I won't name who just summed it up great. He says he's not one of us. You know, yeah. he's a businessman. He, he does this. He's like, you and me live and breathe this shit. You know, we, we feel it. We, you know, and it's a business to him and it's just a different attitude. And some people live it and breathe it. And some people it's just, you know, punching a clock, which is well, something Terrence Andrew would know nothing about. Exactly. And in defense of Eddie Trunk, at least, even though he's stuck in the back of uh, the, in the, in the past, at least he acknowledges the bands that didn't really make it back then and talks about like bands like Malice. I've heard him talk about Coney Hatch and, you know, bands that didn't even go gold. So at least, you know, I mean, he may be living in the past, but he's not like that douchebag that left that comment saying, I don't listen to music anymore. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I mean, at least that he's better than that guy that left a comment. Yeah, I, I mean, for Christ's sake, he's still pushing UFO, and nobody cares about that shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I love UFO, but really, you know, why should anybody else care? All right, next story. Paul Stanley, on the possibility of new Kiss music, says, I don't really see a reason for it. And I guess I, w- I would have to agree with him, judging by what they've put out, I would say, since... <laughs> revenge uh, yeah I don't see it and normally I'm all for art, older artists putting out new music you know at least giving it a try but I just think Kiss just doesn't have it their heart's not in it uh, it's purely by the numbers uh, it's all about record sales Gene has even said oh you put out a, an album you know, people are just going to download it, and we're going to spend a lot of money. Kiss is not a band that's going to put out music because they have to get this awesome music out of their system. You know that they 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 are this creative energy entity. Uh, it's just about business. Yeah, I say don't put out any new music for once. What do you think? Well, I I think just like you, but for other reasons. Um, I love Monster. That album, Monster. Now, Monster, everybody thinks just like you. It's shit. It's a shitty album. And you know that gets back to them. It didn't sell. A lot of the fans disliked it. So if they ever do do a new new, uh, album, it'll probably be like some shit so drastically different than Monster that I'm fine with them ending their career with Monster. So I'm with you. I don't want no more new music because I know it's going to just... It'll it'll ruin their legacy. Oh, I made a fun. <laughs> oh, God. All right. And our last story, uh, you, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, probably if they did do something now, it would be a retaliation. It would be them trying to do something different. Uh, you know, which I, I do understand. I see your point. And I can see that happening with the next guy we're talking about, John Schaefer from Iced Earth. His asshole is going to put out a blues album. 
No, uh, because, for real? Because he is still in jail, and this is something uh, highly debated in the in the music community. I see a lot of people torn on this. Uh, with the arrested John Schaefer, who was arrested for you know he was part of uh, the people who stormed into the Capitol building, and I, I, I gotta say, I I might not agree with this guy's politics and all this shit. But I would never turn my back on the Iced Earth records that I enjoy. Has no effect on that shit. But uh, I think he probably did kill the fucking band. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm still an Iced Earth fan, and I can totally separate all this shit. I think it's crazy what he did, and I think he's paying the uh, appropriate price for it. But uh, it's not going to make me not listen to Ice Earth by any stretch of the imagination. What do you think? Well, I don't think it's going to hurt the legacy of Ice Earth in any way. I mean, look at Gary Glitter. All right, yeah. hey, that, that's a bad excuse. Yeah, he's hey, fucked. I, I still love Gary Glitter. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I got to tell you something funny. I did a podcast the other day, and we were talking about The Who. And you know the song... Uh, uncle, what is it again on Tommy Uncle, the perverted uncle? Uh, uncle Ernie. Okay, Uncle Ernie. I don't think it was Uncle or whatever. Um, yeah. He, uh, this guy, this guy told me that the, in Broadway or it was Vegas, they did the whole show, the whole Tommy show, and the person that played Uncle Uncle Ernie was Gary Glitter. <laughs> <laughs> this is a true story. Is that oh. Crazy? <laughs> oh man! I bet he nailed the fuck out of that role. Yeah, he did. He's got dedication. <laughs> He's got That's... dedication like John Schaefer. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Woo! Wowzers. All right. He's in well, Cuba now. You know that? You know that? Who's, Gary, who's in Cuba? Gary Glitter. That's, you know, because oh. the fight. He never went to jail for diddling kids. He left right. the country, but he picked Cuba out of every country. What a dope. You guys got good sandwiches. I'll tell yeah. you that. Yeah, but you can't eat them. <laughs> it only goes to the leaders. <laughs> yeah, the leaders, the leaders have good. Raul, Raul Castro has some awesome sandwiches. Yeah. That's one thing I miss about Florida. The damn Cuban sandwiches. I oh, love yeah, that shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not over here, we're, we're okay. But, you know, at least the, the helpers of Raul Castro gets crumbs now and then. You know, when yeah. he's watching. <laughs> All right, well, that was the news. And, man, it felt good to do that again. A nice, lengthy intro into talking about, in my opinion, one of the greatest albums of all time. And, Ralph, you picked this one. Why don't you take it? Yeah, 1981. I love Fair Warning. Van Halen's Fair Warning album. Um, my backstory on it's kind of funny was the first time, you know, because I was a first-day buyer. You know, I don't know how the fuck. I guess magazines said it was coming out of the day. I don't know how I knew that day was coming out. But anyway, I went to the record store and I looked all around. I'm like, where the fuck is the new Van Halen? So I ended up going up to the cash register guy. And I said, yeah, I'm looking for the new Van Halen. So he points at this little stand that has different albums on it. And I walk up to it and I still couldn't find it. And I turn around <laughs> and he's like, dude, it's that one, the brown one. And I was like, oh, this? Yeah, and I look at it, I go, the fuck? You know? I was not expecting that to be the Van Halen record. Then I went home, I put it on my stereo, 
after the first listen, I said, this album sucks. The only good song is Hear About It Later. True story. Now, yeah, of course, I think differently because I think this album is all killer, no filler. But yeah, it was one of those first time listeners. I didn't get it. That's why I always encourage everybody. If you hate an album the first time you hear it, give it another chance later. Because believe me, by the time I saw the Fair Warning tour, I was into that album heavy. But I'm just talking, my first day listening to Fair Warning, I fucking hated it. I was like, what? And, and one thing that really stood up in my mind, which we'll get into the song, but I'll just give it away now. The beginning of Dirty Movies. The way Eddie comes in, it sounds like Terrence playing guitar. But I don't know. I was like, what the fuck is going on? That's not Eddie. What the? How are they going to keep that in there? But now listening to it, it's so demented and dirty. It's awesome. But I just didn't get it because Eddie is perfection. And you can tell purposely in the beginning of Dirty Movies, he's playing like CC DeVille, man. I mean, he's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, too. It's like, I don't think that is. I think that's Dave. You know, <laughs> that that did that, you know, well, probably they brought Hagar in to do that intro. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I hate to spoil the actual review, but um, yeah. So and then I said the story again, but it's so good to say it always. Uh, the Van Halen 1980 tour. I was second row. Fair warning. I was in the fucking nosebleeds and I have never witnessed a concert that was so like people banging on their chairs between songs. I've never experienced an audience that insane in my life. And the way that show started, where all you see is spotlights and Eddie and, and Alex warming up, and you see, and then the guy comes out, will you welcome the mighty Van Halen? And they go into On Fire. And right before they get into that, that part, I mean, right after that part, when the band kicks in, all the lights turn on in the arena and the first thing you see when those lights are come up is david lee roth like 30 feet in the air doing a split it was i and i still can't give it justice the charge it gave everybody in that arena like whoa and because of that moment i i really believe the whole fucking crowd banged on their chairs the whole fucking way you know david lee roth once said it best he said our audience has come to our show and when they leave they want to get hit by a car <laughs> because it, 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 they are not going to have that same charge again unless you get hit by a car. And I'm telling you, man, I wish, and I'm, and I have proof. Every motherfucker you meet online that saw the Fair Warning tour say the same damn thing. Every fucking location they went, they drove the fucking audience insane. And I've never experienced that since uh, Van Halen, but because it happened again during Diver Down. It happened again during 84, but I don't know, man. Maybe maybe you need to see classic Van Halen in the nosebleeds. It's probably what happened. You know, seeing it up close, you're not seeing what's going on behind you. But it was fucking magic, man. Best band in the world. Best live band ever, ever. There will never be a band that I experienced. Now, Led Zeppelin, okay, I wasn't there. ACDC with Bond. All right, I'm just saying in my concert experience, that was the best fucking band I ever saw in my life. Hands down. Uh, well, you know, spoiler alert with me, I love this fucking album. And First listen, um, huh? Yeah, first what listen, year? but it was different. Uh, my first listen to this was probably, 
I want to say 86. Yeah, I was about to say, if you heard Fair Warning for the first time after the 1984 album, which I love, but it really pounds that 84 album badly. You know, the, the fire of that album. So I oh, can understand yeah. the year, but hearing it in 81, but then again, hearing it in 81, it was just me. All my friends were like, you're fucking stoned. That's an awesome <laughs> album. I was like, what? You know? But I, I remember looking at it because uh, my buddy Mike Zeller, uh, he was into Van Halen much stronger and harder than I was. I mean, my dad, my dad played the early shit, and and I and I dug, I dug it, but I didn't really like get into them, get into them until '84. That's when they became my band. But you know, in '84, I was fucking ten. You know, I only had so many cassettes and stuff. And I remember my buddy Mike Zeller, he was coming to, to stay for the weekend. And he brought all his cassette tapes. And at that point, the only ones that I hadn't heard yet were Diver Down and Fair Warning. And and I remember, you know, pulling them out of the case and I'm looking at them and I both, I thought both of them had very underwhelming album covers. I was like, what the fuck? These don't look good, <laughs> you know, because it was the 80s. Everything was like big and sparkly and bright or there was something neat about it. And I still think to this day, for a band that is amazing as Van Halen, they have some of the worst album covers <laughs> ever. I mean, you know, the first one's iconic. Uh, the I like 84. I thought 84 was kind of Well, yeah, 80, 84 is classic and iconic. But like this one, I, I mean, I love it because I love the album. But to me, it doesn't. It kind of describes the album because the album is a little bit darker. Uh, but I, I don't know, like you know, and like look at different kind of truth. A horrible album cover. And don't get me started on the live album, the Dave. Which oh, both with well, different kind of truth was a Commodore's album, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was a Commodore's but, album. But I'll tell you this, this freaked me out. I bought the Rush Hemispheres box set, and it you yeah. know it has the original tour program. They had a band, an unknown band, that had the fucking live album, The Ship, as their album cover. I was like, what the fuck? They ripped this one off too? Yeah, you know, it, it's like you have so much uh, creativity in this band, especially with David Lee Roth. And I'm surprised. I, I mean... I don't know. I, you know, I, I love it now, but like, I, I would have been the same as you if I walked into a record store. That's not what I would have looked for for Van Halen. You know, yep. I, I, I would expect like, you know, this chick with you know, a scantily clad bikini or some shit. You know, uh, you know, or something real bright. You know, it's a very dark album cover. But on first listen, I was like, wow, it is a dark I, album though, uh, compared to Van Halen music. That is the darkest Van Halen album. Yeah. And it is dark. We'll talk about each song. Each song has darkness to it. Except for one. But uh, but no, I, I got it right away. But again, you know, different time frames, you know. By the time I heard this, it was already Van Hagar. You know? Ooh. But I, I, yeah, I still knew that this was the better shit, you know. Yeah, uh, Van Hagar, then this is a fair warning. Of course you're going to get it on the first listen. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, and... and and, and people who can listen to this and listen to the Van Hagar album, it's like, you know, if you're co going to commit a crime with somebody uh, and they listen to Van Halen, that's the guy that's going to rat on you. 
<laughs> you know, that, yeah. that's the guy. That's the narc. If, if, yeah, if you get busted, he's going to be the narc. You know, if, if you got that, that one friend, you're like, you know, would he be gay for pay? You know, if he likes Van Hagar, like, yeah, that's the gay. Because how could you accept that shit when you know this? You know, how could you settle for anything else when you have this kind of rock and roll? It's like fucking skin, skinny. What was the name of that band again? You're very good with pop culture. Scritty Politty was better. What yeah, was the name Scritty of that band? Politty. Was that the name? Scritty Politty? Yeah, Scritty Politty. I don't even know, remember their music, but just by that name, you know they suck, but it's still better <laughs> than Dreams. Oh, God. There, there was more hardcore people at a Bananarama concert than a fucking Van Hagar concert. On fire, baby, desire. <laughs> but, uh, man, and this when I started uh, rebuying the catalog on vinyl, this was the first one that I bought. You know, I had to hear this shit on 180. It's just so awesome and so dark. And it was recorded in a very turbulent time in their career because I think this is when Dave and, and and Eddie were really you know starting to come to loggerheads about what direction the band was going to take and, you know this is when supposedly Eddie was like oh I'll, I'll quit and join Kiss you know because he was so mad at being in the best fucking band in the world uh, you know that he had to leave and it's just like God, this shit is perfection. It is fucking perfection. I listen to this album. I, I mean, it's in my DNA. I didn't write notes for this fucking episode. Didn't have to. You know, but I still listened to it like twice earlier in the week. I listened to it twice today before we recorded. Uh, I'm just like, God damn. Wh where is this in music now? There's nothing like this. And there hasn't been, in all honesty, a whole hell of a lot since. There's never going to be another Van Halen. Though. There's never been, ever since Fair Warning, there's never been a band to capture that type of essence of hard rock. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and for the guitar players, I would say this was the beginning of the Brown Sound era. You know, when people talk about the Brown Sound of Eddie's guitar tone, uh, I really think the pinnacle of that is this in Diver Down. Right. Uh, for that certain tone that he had. Um, you know, and, and what's crazy, though, is, you know, it wasn't just you who was turned off when this first came out and on your first listen. This is the worst selling of the classic era, which, yep. which just blows my mind. But then again, I mean, I, I think they're all amazing. But this album to this day is still only double platinum. And that's why I really find sales to be bullshit. This is a prime example of, oh, it didn't sell. It only sold two million and the other sold four and above and 10 million, eight million. And it's fucking fair warning, you know, which I would have put above everything that came after that sold more. You know, I'm just saying sales, you know, I mean, anybody out there that thinks sales matter. Okay. I have, let's see, three words for you. Fair warning. Oh, you wait one, too. Yeah. Well, the last one ain't a word, but you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, but what still gets played today? What do people still talk about, you know? But at, no, the, at, yeah. at, the, at the time, 
for whatever reason, it didn't connect like the other ones did. And, uh, but you ask anybody who's a true music fan, who's a true Van Halen fan, this is always in their in the the top of their lists. Is, is fucking fair warning. But they were and they were they were very very popular in '81. You know they yeah. they sold out the arenas. I mean the one I saw was sold out, and and it didn't. There wasn't a backlash to Fair Warning. It just didn't sell. You know. Yeah, which which I don't understand. But then again, I can't put myself in the same place as you because I came into it later. I can't uh, understand either, Ian, because when Women and Children first came out, they they played a lot. Um, uh, Cradle of Rock and Everybody Wants Some. I'm talking at the time. I know they're still playing now, but at the time. When Fair Warning came out, I remember hearing Mean Street and Unchained all the time on the radio. And so this is love. And you're going to tell me that's any that's less as great as those other... They're all fucking stellar performances, stellar songs that are perfect 10 songs and yet one didn't connect at the time and the other one did it was weird yeah. and then yeah, old no, pretty I... woman old pretty woman put them back up uh, we're, yeah. you know and and talking about hey speaking of hagar tarts i don't know if we were but i want to bring up a hagar tart um this guy said to me look sammy hagar saved van halen because the brothers hated David Lee Roth. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. But how did Van Halen end? They hated Sammy Hagar and brought Dave back. Ooh, bam, bam, bam. Diddly D. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no there's no accounting for it. Dave is the, the voice of Van Halen, you know, if you're a straight male. And, and, and I mean, no disrespect to, to, to gay. There's a lot of gay people tell you the same thing. Yeah, no, they're all fucking gay yeah. people hate Van Hagar. I, 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 I guess that's a bad analogy. Even gay people know what's better. It, 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 it's bitches that listen yeah. to Sam yeah. Hagar. Yeah, I'm telling you, there's no, there's no gay people, dude, that hate Van Hagar. And let's say, you know, the Van Hagar fans that do suck dick, you know you're, they're going to feel a lot of teeth. They suck at it. So they're not really gay. They're just dying to be gay from hearing dreams. Yeah, yeah. The people like Van Hagar like, uh, they don't like to watch their wives get fucked by somebody else, but they do it anyway. You know, like you always said, like you'd like to watch your old lady get nailed by some other people. Yeah. The people, the people like Van Hagar are the people sitting in the corner crying because their old lady's fucking somebody in front of them. Yeah, you know? in a Nixon, in a Nixon mask. <laughs> I don't know why they wear a Nixon mask, but they cry to hide the tears, maybe. But this is rock and roll for real men and for real women and real gay people know this. <laughs> Hell this, yeah. Where you this, feel no teeth when they slap them in the uh, This is fucking real rock and roll through and through. It, it's a landmark album. And it... it all you need to know to know this is a great album. Rolling Stone gave this album two and a half stars. Oh, that's that's the fucking that's the badge of honor right there. That's how you know. And they said the most significant musical development is the synthesizer introduced at the end of Fair Warning, <laughs> which rules, by the way. But you know, they got yeah, that part right. So, Ralph, why don't you take the opening track, the legendary Mean Street? 
Hell yeah. I don't know why I didn't get this the first listen. Um, the way Eddie comes in to, to showing everybody, hey, hey, everybody, I got a new trick. Doing all this crazy shit with the tapping, but adding a couple other fingers with the tapping and sliding the finger up and down the string. Yeah, it's just, and then the groove that comes in with that fucking originally Voodoo Queen riff from the old demos. That groove that Alex and... See, Alex and Michael, when they come in on that song, that shows you. If it is Michael, I don't know. But that shows you the fucking... The strong backbeat this band fucking had, you know? That rhythm section was badass. It complimented Eddie and the way... They're on different speakers, which kind of sucks if one, you speak, one side doesn't work. But when you hear Eddie on just one side and the other two on the other side, and then the awesome, badass, I don't give a fuck what anybody says because everybody's too much into perfection. I like the organic nature and the beautiful, awesome voice of Daily Rob that comes in on that song. He sounds mean, pissed, which is different. Like I'm saying, it even starts off dark. And this is a song about, you know, fucking, I don't know what it's about. You know, you never know what Dave's talking about. But I get the vibe of, you know, getting your ass kicked in the street, you know. So, um, yeah, and that solo in the middle. Woo! That fucking screaming thing that Eddie does. Like, fuck, dude. This song is fucking one of the best songs they've ever done. That's what I think. Oh, yeah, I absolutely love it. What a way to start off the album. And, and that and, and, but yeah, it is darker than the party anthems, you know. But the, they started this a little bit. They got a little bit darker with Women and Children first. There's some darker, heavier moments on that. Uh, but this is some next level shit. And, and it, this, this song in itself almost justifies the album cover. Because this song, you know sonically sounds like the album cover looks like all hell's breaking loose and it is something different from van halen and maybe it is that that push and pull from the ship between dave and eddie but it just fucking works man it is it is so fucking angry and pissed off and uh and, you know you could hear you know, you know eddie loved tony iomi and you can hear the heaviness of say, even though it doesn't sound like a Sabbath song, you can hear the, the heaviness in the tone and, and the difference in the tone. Uh, it, you know, that's why it's the brown sound, because it is a little bit darker than the brightness that you heard uh, specifically on the first two records. But, I, I mean, just what a way to kick it into gear and let you know uh, this is going to be something different, but yet it still sounds like Van Halen to me. Uh, incredible. And then we go into Dirty Movies. Whoo! One of my favorite, favorite Van Halen songs. And 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 this one, I, I mean, yeah, you got the sex aspect of it, but you've also got like, uh, you know, lyrically, it's a darker tone because uh, you know the dark side of a girl ending up a porn star. And remember when that girl was prom queen. Oh, wow. That kind of shit that only Dave could fucking deliver. Sammy couldn't do that shit if he fucking tried. Couldn't be that cool, that effortless, that, that Dave just throws it out there and it works. And you believe it and you feel it, man. Uh, you if know, Sammy sang the song, he's like, as I walk down the street and those 
suckers in the three-piece suits. Yeah, he'd be like, oh, remember when she was my first wife? This <laughs> You know? I It's Van Halen through and through, but it is a darker side of Van Halen. One of my all-time favorite songs. Unfortunately, uh, the last tour didn't come through New Orleans, so I didn't, I didn't get to see him play this, even though they did, they did do the song. Did they do this on the original Fair Warning tour? No, they did not. They didn't play it till the last tour, which was great. And Drop Dead Legs wasn't played in the 84 tour. And uh, I think those are the only two that they've never played before, and they brought it out on that tour. Uh, and, and once again, right right there, because you know who who ran that ship? You know, in, in the reunion years was fucking Wolfgang. You know, because when Wolfgang's balls dro- dropped, got a little hair on him, he's like, hey, Dad, this is when you were good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, this is what people like. Uh, the kid's got good taste. He knew what to pick. Uh, all-time classic. What do you think of Dirty Movies? Oh, hell yeah, man. This song rules. And I identify a lot with Dirty Movies because I watch a lot of Dirty Movies, Ian, because I am looking for a wife. And this fucking, this fucking uh, song, like I said, you know, now that beginning solo. Come on. I mean, that it's so imperfected and so fucking out there that it's kind of scary. That's another dark part. Oh, shit, Eddie can't play no more. It's a really dark, but, you know, then... At the rest of the song, he's fucking wailing, you know? He's fucking awesome. And, yeah, and that there's just something about Van Halen breakdowns. Like the lines up the stockings, reach down between my legs, and this one, remember when she was prom queen? Uh, you know, one break coming up. David's like a genius, dude. How, they, how he comes up, like, you know, bands have, a lot of bands have breakdowns. I'm not saying they invented it, but not every band throws in lyrics like that during a breakdown that says, motherfucker, this guy is the greatest frontman to ever exist. Remember when that girl was prom queen? Oh, wow. So, yeah, this song is stellar, awesome, and yeah, it's hard to say it's one of my favorite Van Halen songs because they're all my favorites, man. The six-pack had no bad songs on it, except for me, in my opinion. The instrumental uh, 1984 was the only the only bump. I like every fucking other song they've ever done. Yeah, I, I go too. I, I say 1984 and Dancing in the Streets. Yeah, that's, that's right. I remember you saying that. I had an argument with another idiot, like, you know, uh, uh, them covering Dancing in the Street. I go, dude, you do realize that's not a cover song. That's an original song that Eddie wrote that Ted Templeman and Dave made him put the melodies of Dancing right. in the Streets in the song. Musically, it's nothing like it's a... A lot of those, dude, where have all the good times gone? You know, that doesn't sound like the King's version. You know? Oh, hell no. All right. Well, the next song, and, and this shows you how great this album is. If I had to pick a least favorite, it would be this song. And I love this fucking song. Sinner's Swing. Oh, my God. Now, this one... This one, to me, sounds like it could have came right off Van Halen 1. You know, it has that ba-ba-da, shooby-da-wah element of it, you know? Yeah. And I love it. And, you know, something you pointed out, you know, when you, when you saw this live, and I'll, I'll let you go into it, but when he says she looks so fucking good, just the way 
he says it, the way he emotes it. And it was a different time. It was a simpler time when you didn't really hear stuff like that. Nope. But it's 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 not like it's said for shock value. You know, like, oh, I'm just going to cuss the cuss. But it's the way he emotes it and gets it out. Like, you totally feel it. You know what he's talking about. Like, this is a hot-ass fucking bitch. And we are going to party. We're going to do the all us sinners. Let's get together and do it. Uh, but at the same time, it has that kind of... Uh, it, it, it's heavy, but it has that... Uh, you know, Jimmy Durante kind of fucking uh, uh, nothing but a, a gigolo kind of feel to it too that Dave brings to it, and it, it it totally comes together, and it's quintessential Van Halen. I love Center Swing. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, dude. I mean, when uh, like again, like yeah, I gotta bring up that story when they played it live. Just imagine this scenario: what I already told you about on fire to end on fire and go right into Center Swing. You know, it's like a one-two punch, and then everybody's still fucking buzzing from that visual and the the, the smoking version of On Fire they just did. Then they go into this, and when Dave says she looks so fucking good, I didn't hear, like, the next 20 seconds of the song because the whole place screamed so loud it drowned out the fucking band. And I've heard bootlegs of this. Didn't happen at every show. I was lucky to be at one of the shows when it happened because I have heard bootlegs. When he says, she looks so fucking good, and you can't hear like 10 seconds of the song because that city got the same reaction my city got. Um, and that solo, that, I think that's the first time Ed introduced a horse. The way that fucking solo starts, like, you know? And ripping, ripping fucking song. Oh, yeah, dude. This shit's a fucking classic, man. Center swing fucking rules. Thank you. Awesome. Why don't you take the next song? Next song is Hear About It Later, right? Of course, I know. Yes, it's sir. in my DNA. Yeah, this is the one song I said. I heard the first time I heard this song, and I went, wow, now that song kicked ass. And I still feel the same way. This song is so fucking epic. And again, the way Eddie starts that song, is this different sound again. That was a fucking genius. And, you know, and, uh, you know, you can try me at home. It feels all right, but... I ain't home tonight. What does that mean? It doesn't matter. It's badass, that fucking line. Whatever the fuck he's talking about. Just the way he would, like, add these words that made no fucking sense. You can't get romantic on a subway line. The conductor don't like it, says you're wasting your time. What the fuck does that mean? It means those are some fucking cool-ass words put together, even though it doesn't make no goddamn sense. And that's how Sinner Swing is. You know, I mean, um, hear about it later. You know, I'll... You know, um, ain't got no money, not no house on a hill. Tell me, honey, would you live, uh, love and pay my bills? I mean, come on. That's that's total Andrew Jacobs fucking. <laughs> yeah, right you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, pay my bills. Yeah, exactly. He's like Andrew Jacobs. That's that. He works. He goes out and tours and writes music. But everything else, he's like, hey, look, I'll take that page from Andrew Jacobs. I'll mooch off my wife. But, yeah, dude, come on. I mean, how can you not love this fucking song? Even me, being an idiot that hated it on first listen, could not deny how great this song is. This song is, again, you know, I hate saying it's one of my favorites. No, they're all my favorites. Love it. What do you think? 
Oh, well, hell yeah. It was my, you know, my ringtone when I call you. Um, always oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got to bring this up, Ian. The infamous show where I passed out drunk or I yeah. threw up. And then you called me to see if I was okay. And then my, my phone started playing here about later. And you're like, oh, cool, Van Halen. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't far behind you. Uh, but oh my god! I mean, just you know, and real Van Halen fans know this song. Yeah, you know, it's kind of did an episode while you were gone, and Johnny Bogan's like, yeah, I don't like the chorus, but you know, Johnny Bogan thinks uh, uh, you know Steelheart's uh, Angel Eyes is a great fucking song. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, that's a but, great uh, chorus on that song. Yeah, it's got a great chorus. I really felt that. Well, I wish they would have put Angel Eyes inside yeah. Hear About It Later during that chorus. It would have been much better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, it, when he tried to bang his wife after the Motley Crue episode, he started singing Angel Eyes, and she's like, nah, nah. Yeah, Dry as that, sand down here. <laughs> she put a restraining order out on But this song, oh my God. And when I saw him on the second, you know, of, of the reunion era tours, they played this. I almost got thrown out. I had, uh, God, what was I like fifth row or eleventh row or something? I, I was like, I was really close for this one. Got up on my chair. I lost my fucking mind. I was like, oh my god, oh. I mean, I mean, this is. I. They could have fucking Rodney King my ass right then and there, and I would I would have been fine. I would have been fine because I got to hear this motherfucker live. I mean, when the first. I heard the first notes of this fucking song. I was just losing it. I mean, this is... It's fucking Dave, like you said. Half the lyrics are like... I mean, a lot of them are genius. And they're like, you know, you listen to the lyrics of Stay Frosty. That shit, like, god damn, that, that beats 90% of Bob Dylan shit. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's a whole nother half. You're like, what the fuck is he saying? I don't know, but it sounds so fucking cool. Reminds me of the Doors. Like I love the Doors. I I ain't into fucking poetry. I have no idea what the fuck Jim Morrison is talking about. But fucking a, when he sings it, it sure sounds fucking good, and I feel it. And that's the same way with fucking Dave. Uh, but hear about it later, man. That it's just Van Halen through and through. Again, this is one that harkens back to uh, the first three albums. I I could have seen this fitting perfectly. Uh, on Van Halen 2 or Women and Children first. But, Ralph, why don't you flip this album over and uh, take the first song on side two? Unchained, what a great fucking song. Uh, they use it a lot for openings. And, yeah, it's probably the most well-known song on this album. But, um, it, and, and it is played on radio. I've heard it played on radio still. Uh, well, I haven't heard, heard Testerial Radio in, like, two, three years now, but I remember hearing it like a few years back. And yeah, dude, come on. And it's got this, uh, you know, my favorite part of the whole song is where Dave goes, I don't ask for permission. It's my time to fly. Maybe enough ain't enough for you, but it's my turn to fly. Something like that. I, I don't know. I just, the way he says that part, like, that kicks off that second verse. What a badass fucking verse. What a badass performance of organic realism with Dave deliverance and the way he says that part just fucking awesome and then of course the infamous you know one break coming up which forever i never realized that when dave says one break coming up the band takes a break and there's a silence 
and it goes into the song where Dave is saying, you know, one break coming up and the band breaks. That's some genius shit, man. Thank you. Fucking awesome song. Absolutely love it. Rips. And that live version from Oakland, that, man, those three clips from Oakland, that kind of gives you what I saw. Because those three performances, so this is love, um, hear about it later in Unchained, what great, you see the audience going fucking berserk and the way they deliver it. And Dave sang great back then. Fuck everybody. You don't know what you're talking about. Dave never sang good live. Fuck you. Go watch those three fucking videos and then go shove a fucking banana up your ass sideways. Thank you. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, this is one of the greatest Van Halen songs of all time. The working title for this was Hit the Ground Running. God damn, do I love this one. And it, and it features probably the only other vocalist that I like in Van Halen, which is Ted Templeman. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Dave, give me a break. And and that is so iconic. And, and you can just imagine, like, when they're recording this, what the fuck Dave was doing to get him to say that. But, you know, Dave's got the perfect response, you know. One break coming. It's so fucking iconic. And that is the kind of shit and that, that you would never get without Dave on vocals. You would yeah, never get anything like Unchained. It's the genius of him. You know, when you say, you know, give me a break, and then he answers it with one break coming up, it's that genius. Like, like Hopper Teacher, I don't feel tardy. I mean, come on, yeah. dude. That's, that's really genius shit. I hate to speak ill of the dead, but man, you know, Eddie's just as responsible for killing that band as Sammy Hagar is. Whatever because... the fuck Eddie came up with during the band Hagar years, you know Sammy's like, yeah, do it, because you guys are paying me more than I ever made. I'll sing anything. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and if you play fucking pussy watered down shit, it's much easier for him to sing to. It's much more in his wheelhouse than to than to try to be creative, you know. Uh, God damn it. I mean, I, I, I just love it. And then you come out of that and you go into Push Comes the Shove, which, okay, now we're taking it into a dark direction again. And again, while this is considered a darker record, and what I love about this is, you know, it's, I wouldn't call it a love song, but it's a heartbroken song. But it, it's, it's a realistic, heartbroken song, you know, just detailing somebody, sitting alone, dealing with whatever they went through. But it sounds relatable and sounds real. It doesn't sound fake or pretentious or, or try to write, you know, a love song into some, uh, you know, Maya Angelou poem. This is just like, is there anything left in that bottle, you know? I have another cigarette, you know, it's just like everybody's been at that point where it's just like, fuck, I just got my ass kicked by love. Love isn't always great, doesn't always end well. And and the way this works lyrically and musically, um, it's perfect. And it's it's relatable because it's real. It's not manufactured. It's not like, oh, this is uh, this is going to be the second single. So we want it to be a ballad kind of thing. This is just a downtrodden, sad, fucking fucked up love song. And I love it. What do you think of Push Comes to Shove? Yeah, the, the beginning of the song gives me a vibe of like a guy in a ghetto. Like with some fucking crack whore. Well, back then, what was it called? Freebase whore? 
whatever. Yeah. And and back then he was like, hey, you know, it sounds like he's talking to some fucked up hooker, you know? It's, you know, because the music, ref, you know, inflects this vibe of grittiness, like real dark grittiness. Like, it doesn't sound like Dave is in a safe environment while he's saying that part. And this song, to me, has the greatest goddamn Eddie Van Halen solo on Fair Warning. This solo is, I, I, and I may be wrong because it's been so long, but I do kind of remember on first listen, I was like, holy shit, that's a good solo. You know, the song sucks. <laughs> that's what I thought first listen. But that solo was good. That solo is so ripping. And so, and, and it matches perfect. And this is a song never played live. Not even the club days. It's a new song. And it's never been performed live. And it's a damn shame. Because this song fucking rules. It's the darkest song, I think, on the album. And it's got this menacing vibe. Like a ghetto fucking poverty fucking vibe. And it just fucking owns. I love it, man. Push it over to the show. Hell yeah. Awesome. Why don't you take the next song? Next song is My DNA Tells Me It's So This Is Love, right? Yes, sir. Ah, now, this is Party Van Halen. This is good time. I don't know. I can't understand why I didn't like this on the first listen. Maybe by this time of the album, I was like fucking just pissed and didn't give anything a chance till I went back. This song rules it's definitely van halen 2 vibe you know and uh you know and and it's like and this is how you write a fucking love song you know hey look i just i feel good this is love and this and that not like some fucking pound cake judgment day bullshit but we'll fly higher and higher you know <laughs> stupid ass fucking shit you know i'll never fall i'll fall whatever the fuck this guy talks about this guy, even when he writes a straight-up love song, there, man, you know that motherfucker's getting drunk with that chick. They're getting fucking loaded on fucking... They're, they're doing blow. They're fucking. They're drinking alcohol. And fucking Dave is high on coke, liquored up, and saying, shit, this is love. You're really talking about the fucking drugs, but fuck, man, the pussy... With the blow and the fucking alcohol. Yeah, this is, this is fucking love. Not Sammy Hagar's version where, I love you, baby, till I go on the road and have groupies give me head. Fuck that. Dave is like, I ain't getting married because I'm going to have groupies giving me head. See, he's a classy dude. That's <laughs> what I think is so this is love. Well, hell yeah. I mean, perfect Van Halen song. This is another one that, you know, harkens back to... The, the earlier albums, you know, my baby's on the corner, she's looking so fine, put one and one together, and it blows my mind. Yeah. Man, needs love to live, I'm living proof, can't stand still, and I hit the roof. I mean... Hit the roof, <laughs> that right there, that's a slang for doing a lot of blow. Yeah. But, you know, you know, this is, you know, just written by, by a guy that's got a fucking incredible heart on for a chick, and he's happy. And I, and I love it. What's crazy is... This, this was the first single off the album. Yeah, th there was only two singles off of that, this and Unchained. This was the first one, and, oh my God, I can't believe it, but this peaked at 110, was the highest this charted, but it did make 15 on the mainstream rock charts, but, you know, while, you know, everybody else was listening to if you get caught between the moon and New York City, which I love that shit, but goddamn, here's Van Halen telling you a real fucking love song, 
a fucking upbeat, fucking kick-ass fucking love song. But in 1981, for whatever reason, this shit just wasn't fucking hitting. But to, to rock and roll fans, it did. Um, classic, classic. All right, well, uh, yeah, so This Is Love is fucking amazing. And then we go into a song that a, a lot of people argue on this. Is it genius? Is it is it fucking filler? Uh, I tend to le- lean towards the genius. Sunday Afternoon in the Park. Uh, God damn, is it fucking eerie and fucking creepy? And I don't mind that Eddie's doing the keyboard shit because it's unique. This doesn't sound like fucking Flock of Seagulls. Doesn't sound like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. If anything, it reminds me of E5150 by fucking Sabbath. You know? Which came out the same year. Yeah, dark. Yeah, very dark and eerie keyboards. And it's very just like sets the mood. Like, whoa! Whoa, where are they going here? And, and that, that is a big 1A, especially from what you've heard from Van Halen up until that point. Like, you might have heard a little bit of Synthesizer, but nothing like this. But it works. It just fucking works for me. What do you think of Sunday Afternoon in the Park? And uh, Every time I think of this song, I think of the interview I heard on the radio from Daily Roth when this album was released. I think it was on Jim Ladd. He said, Sunday Afternoon in the Park is the soundtrack of a huge crab underwater. And it makes sense, because you think about it, you know, can you imagine huge fucking monster crab underwater walking around with this <laughs> plane? That shit makes a lot of sense. And yeah, there's nothing. That, listen to this keyboard sound, and then put on Dreams. Give me a break. It's not the same yeah. fucking sound. It's this dark, gritty, fucked up sound. And that was effect on uh, Alta's drum is just perfect perfect and there i don't know if there is guitar on this fucking song i don't know all i know it's fucking awesome i love it it's this it's it's hard for me to separate it with the last track because to me it the last track just comes in too quick where dude you cannot make a mix or anything putting one foot out the door without putting sunday afternoon in the park it's a song to me it's a song it's, it's the hellion electric eye you know, it's yeah, they are I, both they are both one fucking song, and I absolutely love it. It's fucking awesome. It's um just a dark fucking tone to it, and fucking you don't need guitars and blasting bass to be dark and heavy as fuck, and that's what it proves on here. You know, this song is just as heavy as any Van Halen song in most cases, heavier, and there's no guitar. I don't think, and if it is a guitar. It's being bled through synthesizer or some shit. I don't know. I don't know the technical. I wasn't there when they recorded this. But it doesn't sound like a guitar to me. And it's still heavy as fuck. And yeah, dude. And yeah, it goes into the last track, which makes a lot of sense how it comes in with Sunday Afternoon in the Park. Without it, it's like, whoa, you know, the vocals come in too quick. You know, but um, it's fucking this song. Short to the point. I've been thinking about Saturday with you. I've been thinking about it all week long, but don't come and look at that. Some of the bitch got me singing the same old song. What the fuck does that mean? It means that was a genius lyrics. That make no sense, but it's awesome. Well, well, then, well, well, what I get out of that is 
uh, you, you know, it's uh, like basically this guy's fucking Andrew Jacobs' wife. Oh. And he's like, oh, oh, that son of a bitch is coming back from cashing his unemployment check. I got to get out of here before he touches me and I get freckles. <laughs> but, uh, oh my God, the way that comes in, and it's like one of the punkiest, heaviest things they've ever done. It's it's just fucking amazing. I always had like this this dream, like this to me, this would have been a perfect like come on for the encore kind of song. You know, like you know, uh, fuck it. And the regular show would like fucking jump, you know. But then come back, you know. Everybody's screaming, everybody's clapping. You go into Sunday afternoon in the park, and then come out with one foot out the door. Yeah, reward those people that didn't run to get out of traffic in time. You know, yeah. play that as an encore. That, you know, one thing I didn't mention, they filmed this Sunday afternoon in the park and one foot outdoor. They made the video for it. And I have the pictures of it. I've never seen it. The pictures of them playing outdoors with a gigantic dinosaur behind them. And I have like four pictures of it. That, man. God, release that. Can you imagine them releasing that fucking video? And they're dressed up in their fair warning gear, you know, uh, uh, with the red and black striped, I mean, red and white striped socks and Dave's dress. You know, it has a picture of Dave with his, you know, one foot way the fuck over his head with a big dinosaur and the band playing. And there's, and it's like, you know, it's in a forest that looks like the trees were burned because it has no leaves and smoke, like they added smoke to it. The wow. visual of just three fucking pictures blows my mind. I'm going, wow, I would love to see this video. I've never seen that. I've never seen that. Uh, I'll, sh- I'll send you the pictures. It's awesome. Yeah, and the pictures are a little blurry and everything, but still awesome to think. You know, and you see the cameraman in the video, like in the pictures, video in them. You know, it's fucking amazing. Wish they would release it. Wow. And and I don't, was, was this ever played live? No. But that's great, and, and and I gotta also add, I'll let you wrap it up. The solo, listening to the solo of One Foot Out the Door is kind of like the same feeling you listen to the solo of You Can't Stop uh, Rock and Roll, You Can't Kill Rock and Roll from Ozzy because you don't want it to fade out. You just want to hear it longer, and because it just fades out him ripping. It's like God, I wish, I wish there would be a, a release of them doing it till he stops playing. That would have been awesome. But still, such a smoking way to end the album. It's like, hey, everybody, just to remind you, this is why I'm Guitar Player of the Year for the past three years, and he does this ripping solo at the end of the album. That, Yeah, the album just leaves you like, ah. And also, I got to bring a very important part. How short it is, it's awesome. I love yeah. short fucking albums. Well, yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point. The album is 31 minutes and 11 seconds. Uh, that will change your life. I, I, I mean, Jesus Christ, you know, there's longer episodes of fucking cops, <laughs> you know, than, than this fucking album. And there's, there's, there's longer songs on three theater albums than this album. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They, they have concept albums where like, uh, you know, the keyboard solo doesn't end till 31 seconds or 31 minutes, 11 seconds. Uh, you know, I, I made a joke about the one time I saw dream theater, they played six songs and it ended two days later. What? Wow. Uh, <laughs> Yikes. 
Yeah. yeah. These guys just came in and kicked ass, and what a way to leave. I love the fade out on One Foot Out the Door. Is just amazing, because I've said it time and time again, the greatest albums just leave you wanting more. Or, or to make you just, you know, flip it over and start all over again. Like, holy fuck. The way it fades out. And, you know, something we didn't bring up earlier is this album was supposed to start up where Women Chone first ended with the, the instrumental that's now known as Growth. You know, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, it was supposed to start out with that. They ended up scrapping that idea. And, you know, it just kicks off with Mean Streets. But, oh my God, the, the way this album ends, oh my God. Um, they could have done the same thing with Diver Down, just like pick it up and run. It's amazing rock and roll through and through, and I don't trust anybody who doesn't like this album. <laughs> if, you got, if, if you got anything to bitch about or you don't like this, you're like, yeah, but it's no for a lawful carnal. Now get the fuck out of here. All right, it's I don't too short. That was yeah. too short. Yeah, it's like an EP of the greatest shit I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Oh, God. it doesn't have Wham Bam Amsterdam on it. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, get the fuck out of here. This is rock and roll meant for men and real fucking women and awesome gay people. That's you know. right. You listen to this shit and you party all night doing blow. You wake up at fucking seven in the afternoon the next day. You ain't getting up for breakfast. You saw what I did there? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, right. Shrugs oh. rule. Ooh, ooh. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is fair warning. Well, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen and Andrew and Terrence. <laughs> You know they're listening. Yes. That was Fair Warning, released April 29th, uh, 1981, which it's coming up on its 40th anniversary. Holy shit. I can't believe it's been 40 years since this album came out. Holy fuck. God Uh, damn, I'm old. I know. Once again, produced by... I was 16. I was 16 when this fucking album came out. Holy fuck. Once again, produced by Ted Templeman, engineered by Ed Landy. Or Don Landy. What the, what the fuck's his name? Is it Ed or Don Landy? Don Landy, Don, I think. Don Landy, yeah. Don Landy. Uh, oh, my God. Just incredible. Incredible. This is a life-changing record. Uh, if you've never heard it, uh, you probably don't listen to this show. If you haven't heard it in a while, listen to it a fucking again and again. This is pure... Your fucking undulterated rock and roll. Um, if you would have played it in the background, listening to this whole episode, you could have heard it thirty times. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and that—that's just in the news segment. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that being said, uh, you know it's great. We're getting back to basics. You know, we had iTunes reviews, we had news, we had an album review. Now you know we got to go to pick of the week. And, uh, Ralph, what you been listening to lately? Um, there's this band called Onslaught. They've been around forever. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, their last album, Generation Antichrist, is the best goddamn album I've heard in a long fucking time. It's my favorite album of 2020. 
every song is just fucking pummeling awesome and genius lyrics. I mean, the guy's not a big fan of a religion. And he really goes off on religion. He goes off on the media. And it makes a lot of sense, everything this guy's saying. It's genius lyrics to amazing fucking thrashing music. There's not a, this is all killer, no filler. As I speak, who knows, 20 years from now, but I don't like that song. But I'm telling you, this fucking album, Generation Antichrist from Onslaught, is my pick of the week. What, yeah. what, what's, what's the lineup for Onslaught right now? Who's who's singing for him? Uh, they got a new singer. You know, I had Nige on my, on my podcast. He's like the only original member. They've had their original singer. Oh, man, what was his name? Cy, I think. He's been in the band all the way up to the album right before it, even though there's one album with Steve Grimace from... Right, from Grim Reaper. But that album was recorded with the original singer, which I didn't know until I interviewed him. But the thing is that the record company made them put Steve Grimace on it, but he still has In Search of Sanity with the original singer. And, you know, then that guy came back, but he left because life, you know, he couldn't afford it no more. So they got a mega fan to sing for them. This guy that's like a real mega fan that worked for them. He was in the background. I forgot what he did. Maybe a roadie or something. But he was a mega fan. And dude, this guy's voice is awesome. And you feel it. You you can tell this guy's like, holy fuck, I'm an onslaught. You know? He really delivers. It's so badass. I love it. I love the sound of it. The drums are really wicked on it. And just the song. The song structures. It's just such... It's a fucking glorious album i highly I, I, suggest yeah I, got, I gotta check that one out because i'm definitely a fan of their older albums and shit so yeah. um definitely oh, check them. And, and and that's uh you know i i recommend you know older 80s onslaught to anybody go check it out especially if you love like you know new wave of british heavy metal uh bands and stuff man check out onslaught but i will check what's the name of the the newer album generation antichrist all right, well, I will check that out. All right, well, my pick of the week is the brand new album from Tomahawk, which uh, Tomahawk is a, um, I hate to say side project because there's a lot of people involved in it, but it's it's Mike Patton from Faith No More and Trevor Dunn, who was in Mr. Bungle and, and a million other bands, the guitar player from Jesus Lizard, uh, and I believe the drummer is from Helmet. Uh Really cool band, but they've kind of been all over the map with their releases. Uh, first two were, were kind of similar. Third one was like, holy shit, it was all them recording like ancient uh, Indian songs, like Native American Indian songs. And then they put out Odd Fellows, uh, which is when Trevor, Bunt, Trevor Dunn joined the band. And that was more like getting back to what they did. But the new one is really, really fucking good. I recommend it to, of course, anybody who likes Faith No More. But even if you don't like Faith No More, it, you know, it's not that... It doesn't have the bounciness of Faith No More. But it's just a heavy, great fucking record. And uh, anybody who's into any of Mike Patton's various projects, or, you know, Jesus Lizard or, or Helmet, check it out. The new album is called Tonic Immobility. And it just came out really fucking good. That is my pick of the week. Right on. I did hear that last Mr. Bungle. And, yeah, you know, I'm not a Mike Patton fan. I do love Digging the Grave, that Faith No More. Right. Song. 
I right. love it. I, lo I love his singing on it. You know, I love everything about that song. But I couldn't get into his voice. But the music is kind of like a throwback of S.O.D. And as I understand, those are old demos that, you know, Scott Ian heard before Mr. Bungle, before Faith No More, that they oh, re-recorded. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what they were inspired by was like uh, S.O.D. and early Slayer when Bungle yeah. first got together. And that's why they record them with now. They have Dave Lombardo yeah. uh, as the drummer, Mr. Bungle, and Scott Ian uh, as the real yeah, guitar it's, player. It's, musically, it's vicious. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely thrashy. If you, if you like like old school hardcore and thrash, check out that last Mr. Bungle album, uh, uh, the Easter Bunny ravaging the. I don't know. I'm a little buzzed right now, but I like it. I know Edwin Canastrachi went and saw him live and he didn't like it because he didn't know any of the songs. <laughs> and he thought it was too heavy. But uh, but I dug it. But uh, yeah, check out the Tomahawk record. And I'm definitely going to check out the Onslaught record because that sounds right up my fucking alley. All right, well, now it's time to go into Fan of the Week. And uh, was kind of torn here. Uh, so we're going to have two Fans of the Week. And the first Fan of the Week is the doctor who gave Andrew Jacobs' wives the trach. <laughs> so there's there's another place to shove your cock because, you know, everybody <laughs> needs a, a lot of fun for $5, and that you can get thanks to this doctor. The second one would be the fucking asshole who left uh, the Antron 33 review. <laughs> the poser. It, yeah. That lets me know that we're doing something right, Ralph, because there's a lot of shows out there you can listen to. Everybody and their brother has a podcast, especially, you know, you look, Ralph and I started this back in fucking 2014. Look at the number of podcasts now. If you want some vanilla bullshit, it's out there, and it's plentiful. But if you want some real shit, and you want to listen to real honest reviews by people who live this shit. Ralph and I live this stuff. We were at the shows. We bought the albums. We still, to this day, love and live this fucking music. Listen to us. But I yeah. love that this guy left a review letting us know that, you know what, even, even the posers out there can't deny us. They still got, even this asshole listened to 10 fucking episodes of a show that he so, so claimed hated. And, you know, to him, all I got to say is, well, you should have list, pa listened past the Terrence uh, episodes. Oh, God. Any, yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but you think about it. Look. Oh, oh here. Uh, hi. I'm going to pretend I'm him. Hi, I'm a poser. And I don't like the music I used to like. So I'm going to go listen to the podcast talking about bands I don't like anymore because I'm a bitch. And that's who leaves us a negative review. How proud can we be? That somebody that doesn't yeah. listen to these fans anymore dislikes us. That's who we want to dislike. Yes, that and he, makes me feel better. And he hated us so much, he had to leave a review. I like yeah. that. We we still made him work. And, yeah. and he, he, he worked. Unlike Terrence and Andrew, he still put forth the effort uh, to leave us a <laughs> negative review. So, yeah. so it reminds though, me of today. Uh, today, I... I almost daily get a kiss card comment this one guy wrote 
making making fun of Paul is lame. Why don't you go look for a new hobby? So I wrote, you're right. I should look for a new hobby. I should be a bitch uh, leaving comments on people because it hurts my widow feelings. <laughs> that That's funny. I, I, I sent the same thing to, to Paul Stanley. I said, why don't you stop ruining Kiss and get a new hobby? <laughs> <laughs> he did, Soul Station. Oh, okay. Okay, well, at least he, he listened. He listened. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, once again, I want to thank everybody for still listening to this show. The response that we've gotten from coming back has been amazing. And here's your chance to meet us and hang out with us at Rock and Pod 4. Do not pass that up. There are deals on hotel rooms, deals on your admission, and and bring your dealer because we need drugs. Yeah. And we will be back in a couple weeks with a fan episode. Yes, we will take care of the people who took care of us and took care of Rock and Pod. What you know what, that Ian, is? I got, you know what, Ian, before you go into it. Go ahead. My fingers are crossed. Tommy Storacci falls off the rag- wagon before fucking Rock and Pod. So we can get a lot of cool drugs. <laughs> yes. Yes. Look, look forward to the videos of us doing coke off Andrew Jacobs' wife's ass. Well, one of them. Yeah. Uh, We're going to be know, playing modern-day cowboy in the background. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be smoking meth out her fucking neck. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's a love song. Yeah, shit's hot, man. I'm getting hard. <laughs> yeah. Find out what happens next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.